One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Psalm 27, verse 4. From the moment we wake up until the moment we go to sleep, there are literally millions of thoughts that inundate our minds. These thoughts can stress us out. They can take our focus. We can be defined by them. Does she like me? What is he thinking right now? How do my coworkers feel about me? How many people liked that post I put up around noon? These thoughts really distract us. I mean, it's, we start to think, man, am I enough? You see, we all think about something. So what if we think about Jesus? invite you to grab your worship guide, and inside your worship guide, you will find a, a white sheet of paper, which is the message outline that we're going to be using today. Here at Harvest Point, we're one of those note-taking churches, so we invite you to grab a pen, and hopefully there's one sitting in that seat, uh, in that little pocket right in front of you. And uh, I'm going to be inviting you to fill in some blanks and underline some scriptures, maybe circle some stuff, and, and just take notes all over that little white sheet of paper. But maybe most importantly, on that white sheet of paper, you'll write something that it has nothing to do with what I say. Maybe, most importantly, you'll, you'll write down a whisper of God and what God's word would be for your life in this day. So I invite you to take notes as I share this morning this message. And then the other thing that you'll find inside that worship guide is a little blue piece of paper. And I, um, yeah, I've got one right here. A little blue piece of paper that has a simple prayer on it. Jesus, will you reset my... Now, um, we started a brand new series last week called Reset. And I'll tell you more about that series in a minute, but at the very end of the message today, I'm going to be inviting you, actually, during the whole message, you're invited to just kind of write on this little blue sheet of paper anything that you feel like God's speaking to you about you. And at the very end of the service, like we did last week, we're going to kind of have a prayer wall from the sides. We'll just bring that prayer wall in, and um, we're going to invite you to pray a reset prayer this morning. And you see that last week, many folks just kind of came, and they just rolled those things up, and... Uh, several folks just left them in the wall. Some folks bowed before the wall and just spent a few minutes talking to God about their prayer of reset. And so we're going to be inviting you to do that. So hold on to that little, white, that little blue sheet of paper and be thinking about how something might need to be reset in you. Now, here's the concept of reset. We have reset buttons around us all the time, right? I brought my iPhone up here this morning. And um, whenever your iPhone or your Android device is not working right, what do you have to do? You have to reset it, right? You have to cut it off, let it boot back up again. It might have a bunch of junk slowing it down. It recently happened to my iPad. My iPad was just going slow. And when, I, when it finally dawned on me to reset the thing, it booted back up and it was running great. Jesus, asked, Jesus promised us that if we would follow him and do life his way, we would have an abundant life, a life that looked kingdom oriented, and it looked different than the rest of the world. Jesus wanted to have us to have an optimal life. Now, the idea of a reset is that when life is not functioning optimally, think, think 
family, think job, think thought life, think uh, anything that's going on in your world, when it's not functioning op- optimally, we need a reset. We need a chance for Jesus to just kind of come in and set us back right again. Now, last week we talked about resetting our hearts, like that inner world, our faith, um, and people prayed reset prayers around that. Today we're going to be talking about a reset of our minds, our thought life, and I'm going to be talking to you about how you think and what you think about, and, and I'm going to be asking you the question, what might you need a reset on when it comes to your mind? So together we are going to be asking God, okay, God, how might I need to rearrange my thought life? How might, how might I need to re-engage on some things that, that you want me to think about? How might you want to bring a reset to my mind and to my world? Now, um, this morning as an opening scripture, you'll see right there in your outline, I want to read a psalm. And these are the words of David. And so hear these words with me from Psalm chapter 27, kind of as a way of starting us off and thinking about um, this idea of reset. David said this in Psalm 27, verses 3 and 4. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me. Now, by the way, David is literal here. He, David is a man who had to fight battles and real he, he waged war against real armies. When he's talking about an army, when he's talking about a war, he's talking about real fighting, real blood, real battlefield, okay? And he says, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though the war break out against me, even then will I be confident. And listen to this. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He's talking about living in God's presence, walking with God wherever he goes, that I may dwell in God's house all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now, here's the deal. For David... He's talking about a literal battle, right? A literal army and a literal war. But today I want to talk to you because most of us are not going to fight an enemy on a battlefield this week, right? Would you agree? Thank the Lord, right? We are very blessed, right? But I want to talk to you today about the battle of the mind. I want to talk to you about the battles that wage right here between your earlobes, okay? Because we have a battle every week that happens. And and there's not one of us who doesn't have to face this battle. We all have a battle of our minds. We can start thinking dark thoughts. We can, we can find ourselves consumed with thoughts that are not the way that we know we ought to be thinking. And these are the, these are the armies of darkness that come against us. And when we start thinking a thought of despair instead of a thought of hope, when we start thinking about a, a thought of fear instead of a thought that would lead us towards confidence and faith, when we start thinking about our own inadequacies, or maybe it's a thought of greed, those are dark moments, right? That's where the struggle begins. Every struggle begins in your thought life. And so maybe you start thinking about um, some, some hateful thought. Or maybe, maybe you start thinking about uh, some thought of rage or anger. In those moments, we begin a battle. We begin a war that goes on in our mind. Now remember what David said, though an army besieged me, I'm not going to fear. So what I want to tell you, here's the good news right out of the gate. You and I we are besieged all the time with junk that comes our way, that kind of gets in our thought life, okay? But we are not powerless. We are not victims to the, to the enemy who comes against us with dark thoughts. There is good news, and we're going to see how Jesus does this in, in, a, in a certain person's life and then how he wants to do it in our lives. Now, before I do that, um, I want to share a real quick story with you. When I was a young Christian, somebody gave me a book. And that book was by a guy named Charles Swindoll. I don't know if you know Charles Swindoll. Got Chuck Swindoll, great pastor, great evangelist, um, I, one of my heroes. And I, I picked up this book, 
And maybe you've seen it before. If you haven't, phenomenal book, old book, but a phenomenal book to read. It was called Living Above the Level of Mediocrity. I don't know if you, very, very famous book back in the day. And I'm dating myself a little bit. I was a young Christian. And I remember picking up the book, Living um, Above the Level of Mediocrity. And I read the opening story in his preface. And it changed my life. <laughs> I didn't even read the book yet. The preface changed my life. And what he talked about in his preface to Living Above the Level of Mediocrity was that everything starts with your mind. Every, what, you are what you think. And here's what he gave me a picture of. He reminded me of, uh, of, of this, this strategy to take over castles and fortresses. Maybe you've never heard of it. I want to give you an understanding of what he wrote about in the preface, and it made me start thinking about my thought life. Have you ever seen a fortress or a castle that had something on the side of it that looked kind of like one of these? You ever seen that before? That big edge of it, you know, that, that launches out high above everything else. Sometimes they look like that where they've, they've got some sides to them. They, they can look different ways. That one there has uh, some arrow slits as, as, as well here so they could, they could shoot bows and arrows to the little holes. And these, uh, these are called turrets, okay? These are turrets. And, and what Chuck Swindoll said in the opening of Living Above the Level of Mediocrity is that every one of us have, our life is like a fortress. It's like a castle like that. But your mind is like the highest thing. It's like the turret, okay? And in a castle, here's how the enemies uh, of the, uh, they were trying to besiege the castle used to try to take over a fortress or a castle. Well, follow me here, right? When they tried to take it over, the very first place they wanted to possess was the turret. Because if they could climb up in the turret, get this picture, if they could climb up in the turret, not only do they have the ability to see further than anything they could see on the ground, now they can see the whole battlefield, but they can begin, begin commanding their forces from the top of the turret. And when they take over the turret, they basically are going to take over the castle. And so if you are defending the castle of the fortress, you are defending that turret against all. Because if they win that battlefield, they're going to win the whole castle, all right? And when Chuck Swindoll, in the opening of that book, said, that's your mind. That's your mind. Your mind is like that turret. It can see beyond. It can lord over. It can, it, it, and, if, and what controls the turret controls the whole vessel, controls the whole fortress, right? Today, I want to talk to you about the battle of the mind. And I want to invite you to think about the places where the enemy might be setting up camp in your turret, okay? And, and where you might need to have a reset where you say, no, Jesus, I want to think your thoughts about any given thing that God might tap you on the shoulder with. All right, so you ready to study? We're going to study how God wants to reset our mind, and here's how we're going to do that. Before we read this cool story about how Jesus helps somebody reset their mind, I just oftentimes begin with a prayer of openness. Just say, God, whatever you have for me, which, by the way, is not going to be what he's got for your neighbor, right? He's got something for you today. Whatever you have for me, whatever you want to whisper over my soul, would you give it to me? Would you pray that prayer of openness this morning? Let's pray together. Following the next few minutes, we're going to turn to, you, to the Bible, the Word, the life. Uh, it tells us that, that your Word is so powerful, it can penetrate past our mind. It can go straight to the soul of who we are. And so, Lord, we just pray that in the next few minutes, matter of fact, I'm just going to pray it this way. Jesus, help me get out of the way. Would you come and teach us this morning? Because I need a reset of my mind. We all need a reset. And I just pray, Lord, like you did on the uh, when you were sitting on a campfire, when you started speaking, their ears began to burn, their hearts began to, to pulsate, and they knew they were in your presence. Would you do that for us this morning? Would you speak? And whatever you speak, we will try to listen, and we'll try to apply, and we'll try to obey. Whatever you have for me this morning, Jesus, the Nazarene, the Messiah, 
Speak it into my life. I am listening in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let me tell you how that happens. And I want to I use one story this morning about a guy who, who came across Jesus in a pretty powerful way. And as a, I hope you've read this story before because this is a story that if you've ever heard, you'll never forget. This guy was in desperate need of a reset of the mind. Now this morning, I'm, it's, it's from the Gospel of Mark. But let me tell you, I've chosen the message passage, which is actually a, um, a paraphrased version to read it from, because I like the way it kind of shares it, and especially for folks who might have heard this story before, it'll kind of put it in a different light. So we're going to read from Mark together, from the message version, this story about Jesus coming across a man who needed help and who needed a reset of his mind. So the Bible says in Mark chapter 5, verses 1, they arrived, who is they, the, the disciples and Jesus, they arrived on the other side of the sea in the country of the Gerasenes. And as Jesus got out of the boat, I mean, Jesus isn't even there yet, right? He's getting out of the boat. As Jesus got out of the boat, a madman from the cemetery came up to him. He lived there among the tombs and the graves. No one could restrain him. He couldn't be chained. He couldn't be tied down. He had been tied up many times with chains and ropes, but he broke the chains. He snapped the ropes. No one was strong enough to tame him. Night and day, he roamed through the graves and the hills, screaming out and slashing himself with sharp stones. Listen, when he saw Jesus a long way off, he ran and bowed down in worship before him. Then he bellowed in protest. What business do you have, Jesus, son of the high God, messing with me? I swear to God, don't give me a hard time. Jesus had just commanded the tormenting evil spirit, out, get out of the man. Jesus asked him, tell me your name. He replied, my name is Mob. I'm a rioting mob. And then he desperately begged Jesus not to banish them from the country. A large herd of pigs was browsing and rooting on a nearby hill. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so we can live in them. So Jesus gave the order. But it was even worse for the pigs than for the man. Crazed, they stampeded over a cliff into the sea and they drowned. And those tending the pigs, watch this, scared to death, bolted and told their story in the town and the country. Everyone wanted to see what had happened. They came up to Jesus and saw the madman sitting there, and I've bolded a few things for you, look at these. Sitting there, wearing decent clothes and making sense, no longer a walking madhouse of a man. Those who had seen it told the others what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And at first they were in awe. And then... They were upset, upset over the drowned pigs. They demanded that Jesus leave and not come back. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the demon-delivered man begged to go along. But Jesus would not let him. Jesus said, go home to your own people. Tell them your story, what the master did, how he had mercy on you. And so the man went back and he began to preach in the ten towns. They call that the Decapolis. He began to preach in the ten towns in that area about what Jesus had done for him. And I, the reason, one of the reasons I picked this passage is I love that last line. And he was the talk of the town. 
<laughs> Don't you bet he was? I mean, can you just imagine for a minute a guy who had been demon-possessed out in the cemetery? I mean, let me tell you, you'd hide your, hide your children from this guy, right? And then all of a sudden, he, he has an, a Jesus encounter, and he's radically changed. Don't you imagine that he was the talk of the town? Now, what I want to point back to is one little passage that's up there that you might have jumped over. And it's that little passage where I bolded it there for you. It's back there in verse 6. It gives you a picture of what he had like. He was like sitting there with Jesus. They showed back up, and now this guy wasn't a raging madman anymore. Jesus had delivered him from the evil darkness that was plaguing him. And the Bible says he was wearing decent clothes. He was making sense. And he was no longer a walking madhouse of a man. I want you to hold on to that phrase for a minute. A walking madhouse. Now listen, I dare say that many of us can identify necessarily with a, with a guy with an evil spirit. Or much less this kind of guy who evidently had many evil spirits in him taking over his life. But you know what? I know that all of us can probably identify with what it is like sometimes to feel like a walking madhouse of a man or woman. I mean, when things just are confusing, you're struggling, you're, you, you, you've got thoughts that you know you shouldn't have, you're panicking in that moment because the world is turned upside down for you. I mean, when you get a news on the job site and, and it's not what you expected and you're fearful or something and all of a sudden you can have all these whirlwind of thoughts that start coming at you and you can feel like on your job site you're a walking madhouse of a man or a woman. Or Hey, about this one? When something happens in t- inside your family that is not good, let's just say something happens with one of your children or your grandchildren and everything turns upside down and you have all these emotions that are flooded with your mind at the same time and you start to feel like a walking madhouse of a man or a woman in those moments. I was thinking about somebody that I love very dearly who got a cancer diagnosis. And in those moments when you get a diagnosis, do you know how your mind starts to swirl? And you know how easy it is to start having dark thoughts come into your mind about how long you might live or what will happen to your family or how are they going to do with this news and all this. It is so easy. Over and over again, guys, we don't live necessarily all easy lives. You are going to have moments where you feel like a walking madhouse of a person. And by the way, this is not just you. This is the human phenomenon. Right now, I can tell you this. There's a person sitting in Houston, single mom, on a Sunday morning, who is going through depression and nobody else knows it. She's worried about her children. She's worried about her ability to provide for them. She's worried about her own bad thoughts that could lead her down a path of even hurting her own self. And if that's the case in Houston, there's another thing happening to a man in New York that's totally different than that. There's another, another thing happening across the world. This is the life that we come through sometimes, your, your mind can start taking you into a madhouse of a place. Now, what I want to pay attention to real quickly is before we kind of see how Jesus did this with this guy, can I just real quickly ask you a generic question? How, do you, how would you evaluate your thought life right now? How would you evaluate your thought life? How good do you do at thinking about who you are, what you've been called to do? How do you think about your marriage? How do you think about your job? How do you think about your children? How do you think about your grandchildren? How do you think about money? What is your thought life like right now? When nobody else is around, do you think good thoughts or bad thoughts? 
Do you think hope-filled thoughts? Or do you, feel, do you feel, think thoughts about threatened and, and futures and all that kind of thing? What is your thought life like right now? Can I just confess this to you? There's not a person in the room, me included, who has a perfect thought life. Every one of us can have dark thoughts. Every one of us can have thoughts that lead us down the wrong road. So every one of us needs a place to say, God, as I start out this 2017 year, would you, would you be the Lord of my mind? Would you be the Lord of my mind and my thought life about how I think of my relationships and my, every piece of who I am? And so, so here's what I want to share with you. Here's what I've learned. It is so easy to sometimes forget that my mind is my turret and that I've got to protect my mind, okay? It is so easy to get busy doing life that I forget to center my mind in God's Word or to pray and to make sure that my mind is thinking the right thoughts. And here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to creep up in your turret and he wants to just take a little place, a little post, and if he can take that post, he can get a little bit more and a little bit more and he can start taking over your thought life. And, and I don't care whether you're 96 or 16, this is the way it works. Satan wants to come in and take over your mind. And this guy, now this guy Jesus meets, can you imagine how many people tried to help him out? I mean, they probably didn't have psychologists and psychiatrists in the day, but don't you know that they tried to get this guy to people who can, nobody could help him out? Who did he need to be able to reset his mind? He needed Jesus. He needed Jesus. And so the, the Bible says, notice what happens. When Jesus gets off the boat, what does he do? What does this madman do? You remember? What does he do? Anybody remember? He runs to him. That's a kind of cool image, isn't it? Um, where's Pushpa? Pushpa, I know I was telling you, that you know, right? Jesus never runs, right? Jesus is never in a hurry. Did you know, by the way, hurry, listen, hurry is the enemy of spiritual formation. When we go slow, when we listen to God, that's the moments where we're transformed. But when you wake up in the morning, you hurry off, and you're moving, moving. Can I just tell you, hurry is the enemy of spiritual formation. Jesus steps off the boat, and he doesn't have to hurry. He looks off in the distance, and there's a man running towards him in great need. Now, what's the second thing that he does, that guy? He bows down and worship before Jesus. I got to tell you, I've been living with this scripture for a few weeks, getting ready to preach it this week, and I just got the image of me and you who are probably, all of us are in desperate need of resetting our minds, of what it would look like for us to almost run to the reset wall and bow down and put our prayer there and say, today, today I need my mind reset, Jesus. I need your mind, the mind of Christ. That's what this guy does. He runs to Jesus and he plants, he plants himself in front of him and begins to worship him. Now, a couple of final thoughts and I want you to write down some notes. A couple of final thoughts real quick. The first one is this. So it is so easy. Satan comes up and he gives us some dark thoughts, okay? Some dark thoughts. We don't know it's him, right? So what do we do? We just kind of take it. That's my subconscious. That's just me thinking. That's my mind. We think it's us. We think we're thinking those bad thoughts. But what he's doing is he's shooting those arrows into us and he's trying to get up into the turret to take hold. Now what I want to tell you is you can either do life Jesus' way or the way of your enemy. Your enemy wants to take over your mind and give you dark thoughts that lead you to very bad places. Jesus wants to be the Lord of your mind. Jesus wants to be the Lord of your mind, and he wants to lead you to kingdom thoughts. He wants to lead you to 
beautiful thoughts. You remember those, remember those stupid little pictures of a devil on the shoulder and an angel on the shoulder? You remember, everybody know what I'm talking about? I don't even know what you call that little metaphor, right? Uh, a devil over here and an angel over here. I'm telling you guys, that's the picture. You can do it Satan's way or you can do it God's way. Now, here's Satan's way. You just let him give you a lie. You take it. And you take the next one. And you take the next one, the next one. And you find yourself kind of living and thinking in this world of dark thoughts and these world of lies just because you're letting them feed them to you. Or you could recognize the, the strategy of the enemy and you could do it Jesus' way. So in the next few minutes, I want to share with you a way that I think Jesus can reset your mind. You got your pen? Let's, let's think about what it would look like to do things according to God's word. I'm going to read some scripture and I want to give you a picture of how we're supposed to think Jesus' way, all right? So I am what I think. How can I let Jesus reset my mind? Number one, write this one down. Notice this. These are some things to consider. I can only think one thought at a time. Write that down. I can only think one thought at a time. Did you know that, by the way? Sometimes we get so many thoughts, we think we can think multiple thoughts at one time, but you can't. You can actually only think one thought at a time, and then they can, they can have a stream of other thoughts right around them, all right? So right now, watch this. Everybody look up at me. I bet you're only going to have one thought when I say pink elephant. Oh, there it was. And there you That's your one thought, okay? So you can only have one thought at a time, and here's what I want you to gather. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care your income. I don't care your educational level. I don't care your age. You can only have one thought at a time. Now, now, figure this out. Watch this. This has massive implications. That means at any given moment of my life, I can, if I can only have one thought at a time, I can either in that moment think of a noble thought or an ignoble thought. I can think of a pure thought or I can think of an impure thought, but I can only think of one thought at a time. You tracking with me? Everybody following me? I can think of a fearful thought, or I could think of a victorious thought. You can only think of one thought at a time. So what, we, what we've got to realize are the implications of this. Whenever you start to, when it comes to your, your, your thought life, whenever you start to think the wrong way, you in that moment have to realize, I can only think one thought at a time, so I must think a good thought in this moment, in that very moment. So go back to that woman that I was talking about in Houston, right, who is depressed and thinking about her children and how she's going to provide for her children and is thinking about hurting herself, in that moment, she can only think one thought at a time. So the teaching of Jesus is that she should think of a good thought, not a bad thought. Read it with me. The Bible says right there in Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, here's the word of God straight out of the Bible. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, these are the things you're supposed to be thinking about. Think about such things as these. What the writer of the gospel is teaching us is that when you can only think a thought, think of a good thought. And when you start to think of a bad thought, think of a good thought. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right, set your mind on things above. And can I just talk to somebody in this crowd today who, let me tell you, I know it. You can't have a crowd this size and not know that Satan has not been eating somebody's mental lunch all day long, all week long. I mean, there's some people here this morning, I mean, you, you have been barraged. He has been eating your living lunch. And you, here's the deal, you didn't realize that it wasn't you. 
you didn't realize that Satan's strategy was to get upside your turret and be able to control your mind and therefore control your emotions and therefore control your relationships and therefore control all the things about you. Here's where you start. Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think on this. Straight out of the Bible. It's not my clever idea. That's out of the Bible. Think on that. It's step number one. So when you start to have a bad thought, the first thing you do is realize, I can only think one thought at a time, and I'm going to think something good in this moment. Matter of fact, write that one down. That's number two, okay? Number two is simply this. Uh, In that moment, choose for just one thought to think something good. Choose for just one thought to think something good. Remember what I said earlier. You are not powerless. He does not have the ability to control your mind. This is the way God made us. You have the ability to control your mind. So in that one moment, choose to think a good thought. The Bible says this. Look at 2 Corinthians 10.5. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war. Well, that's that same word that, that David used, right? We don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, by the way, he's talking about a Christian who really is, 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 uh, knows how to fight in the spirit. The, ways, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Hey, real quickly, we're going to leave that screen right up there. That day, Jesus got off the boat. That guy that ran towards him and bowed down, he was meeting the God of the universe. Let me tell you. I wish I could help reset your mind. I ain't Jesus. You didn't know that, did you? I ain't Jesus, all right? And as much as I would like to, and God has given me, just like he's given to you at your disposal, powers that are bigger than the world powers. He's given us powers to pull down strongholds. He's given you that power. But in that moment that you start to think a bad thought, you need to think a good thought, and you need to choose to think that moment because what it says He's given us divine power to demolish strongholds. That guy who bowed his knee there, Jesus did what nobody else could. He demolished demonic strongholds in that guy's life. He reset his mind. The Bible says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. This is a a good word for you. If Satan's been eating your lunch personally, listen, the Bible says you have power. You're not powerless. If Satan's been eating up your marriage, you have power. You are not powerless. If, you have, if you've been torn apart in a relationship with a child and, and you just can't even get that situation right, and you don't know if that relationship's ever going to be right again, hear the good news in the Bible. The Bible says we have the power to demolish strongholds and arguments and every pretension itself sets itself up against the knowledge of God. But here's how you do it. Read the last line. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You might want to underline that. By the way, after you underline it, you might want to underline it again. All right? You want to demolish strongholds? You want to demolish arguments and pretensions? You start taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I don't know about that, Stephen. I just say, sometimes I got to say something that's on my mind. Shut up. I mean, literally, just shut up. The Bible says you are to take captive every thought. So before it comes out of your mouth, you are to take it captive. I like to think of it this way because it's a lesson that Jesus taught me as a very young Christian. My body is like a castle. It's like a fortress. 
My mind is like a turret. The enemy wants to get up there and he wants to take my life captive. He wants me to be in bondage. He wants my relationships, my finances. He wants everything about me to be under his control. But Jesus gave me power. Satan doesn't choose my thoughts. I choose my thoughts. Satan can't control what I'm going to think next. I control what I'm going to think next. And I can take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. You get that picture? You get the power of that, guys? It's it's taking that thought when it comes your way, when you think to yourself, nobody cares about me. Or you think to yourself, I don't really matter at all. In that moment, you think a different thought. And in that moment, you make that poor, dark thought obedient to Jesus. And then you let Jesus give you his thoughts. You do matter. You are loved. I do care for you. Your provision is not by your hand. I provide for you. And look how I've done it so many times. You begin to take those thoughts of darkness. I'm going to die. I'm not going to live. And you make those things captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And you take on his thoughts for you. You take on his thoughts for you. Here's the idea. You can only think one thought at a time. So in that moment, choose to think a good, good thought. Make it obedient, captive to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to Jesus' thoughts. I like to say it this way. Make your thoughts comply. Make them comply with what Jesus has to say in those moments. Now, I I just got one more thing to share, but before I do that, I just got to tell you, that scripture I read earlier, you know what I wish was in that scripture that's not there, but I know it's there? I wish that you could see the heart of Jesus. Yes, you hear what Jesus does. You hear Jesus talking to evil spirits. You hear Jesus casting them out into pigs that run over a hill and kill themselves. And you hear Jesus even which he doesn't have to. You hear Jesus getting back in a boat because these people are all upset because he's killed off some of their, you know, know, all their pigs that were worth some money. They're mad at Jesus, right? And the God of the universe who has come to teach them and lead them in the way of life, you know what he does? He does what God, God, if you've never figured this out, figure this out. God will never force you. God's not that way. God will never force you to do anything. He's given you free will. And you know what amazes me? Jesus steps back in the boat, and he sails away. And you know what I wish was in that scripture? I wish I knew what his heart was. I mean, I know there's got to be a part of his heart that is like overjoyed that he had had a ministry moment with a guy and set him free. You know what I mean? It must have been a beautiful moment when he saw that guy was talking to him. He has reset his mind. He's thinking good thoughts. He's wearing clothes again. He ain't out in the cemetery slashing himself anymore. He's restored. But at the same time, I know Jesus' heart was probably thinking, but there's so many more of you who need so much that I have to offer. Three, three simple ways I think Jesus wants to reset your mind today. Follow me here. Think about the implications of what I'm sharing. Number one is, you can only think one thought at a time. All right? You can't think, you can't think an impure thought and a pure thought at the same time. You can only think one thought at a time. Second thought is, so in this moment, choose a good thought 
Make it obedient and captive to Jesus Christ in that moment. Write this one down, number three. You ready? This is not incredibly complex, but Jesus can do it, okay? Number three, then think another one. Then think another one. And think another good thought, another good thought, another pure thought, another noble thought. Whatever is lovely, good, pure, right, whatever is praiseworthy and excellent, think on these things. You Listen, listen. I dare you. Mark, I dare you. Whenever you have a bad thought, make it obedient to Christ and have a better thought, a good thought, and then do it again and do it again. And I dare you to do it because what will happen, listen carefully, what will happen is over time, what happens is Jesus begins to really reset your mental order. Now, let me just tell you what I know is true. This won't come easy and natural to us. You need to hear that what I just said. I'm going to say it again because you might not have heard me. I didn't just, listen, I gave you a one, two, three, and, and you think you're going to walk out of here today and go, okay, yeah, yeah, went to church today. This week, my mind's going to be really good, and I'm going to go out and do one, two, three. And if you think it's going to be that easy, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you got another, literally, you got another thought coming, all right? But what I want to tell you is, listen, listen, if you could get a hold of this, over time, over time, if you will just understand two things, over time, if you will begin in your thought life making, trying to make thoughts captive to Jesus Christ and pulling down the enemy out of your turret, number one, if over time you will find your thought life becoming the thought light of Christ. That's number one. But number two, listen. You want to really do it the right way? Don't do it on your own will. Don't do it on your own cleverness or because you think you're very smart. Don't do you know what I've realized? Sometimes I need, oh boy, do I, almost all the time do I need. I need power I don't have. <laughs> Did you hear what I, I need power I don't have. Somebody would come up to me and say, well, Stephen, I'm trying that. But that dark thought just keeps coming back. And I know, and you keep pushing it away and you keep trying to take it captive to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But your enemy keeps shooting that arrow your way. Here's, you, you just got to understand this. Here's where you got to have a power that's beyond you. So can I talk to some of those people in the room for a minute? To that employee who continues to, in your mind, tell yourself you're inadequate and you can't do the job and nobody around here likes you, can I just tell you that you will, you will continue to have that thought over and over again until you really just surrender and say, hey, Jesus, I struggle right here. Here's where I struggle. Would you be the Lord of my mind? Would you give me power? Give me your thoughts. Give me better thoughts. To that mom whose child is far away, and you wonder if you will ever, ever get that child either back in relationship or, or brought back in the kingdom. And you know what? You need to understand. Jesus wants to give you power to think the right thoughts about that situation. You need to receive his power. To the husband or to the wife who thinks everybody else's marriage is okay, but we just can't get ours right. Can I tell you? Starts right here. And if you keep trying to get your marriage right based on your own strength, you will fail and fall and fail and fall again. But today, and you can do this with a reset wall, 
if you will bow down and say, Jesus, I've tried it my way a lot of times. I need to surrender my mind to you, and I need your power. I need your thoughts. It can happen. And there are a thousand, if not a million other situations that I could give you. But what I want to tell you is simply this. You can only think one thought at a time. In that moment where you're starting to think a bad thought, think a good thought. And then I dare you to do it again and again and again and put a stream and start tearing down the enemy out of the turrets of your mind. And when you're weak, and we all are weak, and when you're weak, confess your weakness to him and ask for his strength that his thoughts would be your thoughts. So, you remember that little blue sheet? I think some of you probably have been writing on it already. In the next few minutes, I'm going to invite you to write down your prayer. Where does Jesus need to reset your mind? And you know what? Can I just say something else? I realize sometimes I come to church, you'll come to church, and then I, I've done this before. Have you ever done this before? During the whole message, the preacher's preaching about one thing, but your heart is talking with Jesus about another. Maybe there's a totally different reset that you need that you would want to put on that piece of paper. Whatever. This is your prayer. It's not my prayer. It's your prayer. In the next few minutes, I would invite you, let's all just meet at the wall. And let's all ask Jesus to bring a reset. Jesus, reset our minds, reset our hearts, reset our lives, and help us to function the way you want us to function. Hey, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to come to the wall together, okay? Would you bow your heads together? Jesus, I thank you that in you is life and in you is great power, and there is nothing you can't do. And when we need a reset, you want us to have a reset. So in the next few minutes, as, as folks surrender to you these prayers, would you hear their prayers and would you meet them? Would you give them life? And there might be somebody here today, Lord, that's been far away from you, and they just want to come back home. And they want to say, I need to be... I need an ultimate reset. I need to be reset with you, Jesus. Reset in relationship. I thank you, Jesus, that you run in that moment to meet us at our moment of need, and you will do a good work in us. So, Lord, hear these our prayers. Jesus, reset our minds. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Thanks, church. Fill out your blue sheet, and I'll meet you at the reset wall.